something is bubbling among women today. Women crave honest stories that entertain, motivate, and move them. Women want reinforcement that they are not alone in feeling the way that they do and that they can feel good about their prospects. Stories and Strategies for Women podcast will share riveting stories about amazing women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. A good story well told is powerful. A good story can motivate. A good story can inspire action. Claudine here. We are very excited to welcome a new sponsor. It's iBobs at iBobs.com. I discovered iBobs years ago when I needed readers. If I needed to wear glasses, I wanted them to be fun to wear and fun to buy. iBobs fits the bill and makes buying glasses super easy. Wondering what frames look the best on you? Check out the style quiz on the site to help you find the perfect frames. I love my latest pair called What Inheritance? A cool light blue color, but my go-to favorite pair is called Clearly in Purple. See, even the names are fun. iBobs is offering a special discount for stories and strategies for women listeners. Enter promo code STORIESANDSTRAT10, spell the end, at the checkout to receive a 10% discount today. That's iBobs.com. Please enjoy part one of my interview with Robin Graham. Welcome to Stories and Strategies for Women. I'm your host, Claudine Walk. With us today is Robin Graham. Robin is a brand marketing strategist, a personal branding and business coach, and the podcast host of the Second Phase Podcast. You can reach Robin Graham at her website, therobingram.com, R-O-B-Y-N-G-R-A-H-A-M.com. Welcome, Robin. Hi, Claudine. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being with us. So Robin was on one career path and decided to pivot to a different career path. She transitioned. She has agreed to share her story with us, and hopefully she will let me bend her ear to ask some branding questions as well. So Robin, tell us your story. How, how did you do it? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> so I went to school to become a pharmacist. I got a doctorate degree in pharmacy and I worked in corporate for many years. I didn't really ever practice traditional pharmacy except for working in a hospital, you know, throughout um college and then for a little while after college. Um, it, but I got into the managed care sector um, right out of college once I finished my doctorate degree. And from there, I met my husband and we moved to the East Coast. And when we moved to the East Coast from St. Louis, my company, United Healthcare, that I was working with, they didn't have a job for me here. And so I had a nine month old baby. And I thought, Oh, what in the world am I going to do? I don't know anybody here. I can't put this baby in daycare. But I was really fortunate because when I, my company, like I said, did not have um, anything for me here, but my boss knew of a consulting firm here that did medical education. Um, They were a marketing firm. So they did marketing for pharmaceutical companies and managed care companies. And back then not very many people had their doctorate in pharmacy um, degree that weren't working in a hospital setting or a clinical setting. And so I was kind of a commodity, so to speak, because I had some marketing experience and then I also had my doctorate degree. So 
they used me as a freelance writer and consultant. And so I did that for several years and I loved it. I got to work with a lot of different people. And, you know, as people would leave one agency and go to another, they kind of brought me along to consult for them there. And so my business grew, right? Um, I was working mostly part-time, but as a freelancer, you know, it's feast or famine sometimes. So sometimes I was working 40 hours a week. Sometimes I was traveling. Sometimes I was working five or 10 hours a week. So there wasn't a lot of um, consistency or continuity. And as our kids got older and my husband, John, was traveling globally and we still had no family here. And at this point, our boys, I guess, were in sixth grade, fourth grade and three years old. Our daughter was only three. And life was just getting crazy. We were like two shifts passing in the night. The the stress level with travel sports and just everything in school was crazy. And then our nanny who was watching who came into our home and watched our little girl for us um, got very ill. And I had always done photography my whole life. It was a passion of mine. And so my husband saw me just light up when I was taking pictures. And um, he said to me one day, we were having a conversation with like, this is nuts. We can't keep going at this pace. It's not healthy for the kids. It's not healthy for us. And he said, why don't you take a step back? Why don't you do something you love? Follow your passion. Do something with your photography. I thought, yeah, right. You're crazy. Like, what am I going to do with that? You know, but after a lot of conversations, he helped me and we started a blog and I started posting on this blog and I was just posting like fine art photography. I was writing some poetry and things like that. And then, um, a friend of mine who I had reached out to, she was a former photographer and I had reached out to her just for some advice and to tell her what I was doing. She gave my name to an artist and a musician who needed website photography. She needed like she needed branding photography, but 10 years ago that really wasn't a thing. It wasn't called that, right? It was just portraits for business kind of thing. So, I did her shoot and I fell in love. Like I literally fell in love. I thought I am meant to do this. I'm meant to work with women who are creating their own business. But I didn't know how to brand myself for that. I didn't know how to market myself for that. I didn't know how to reach that audience per se. So I took every photography job that came my way and I did all the things except weddings. But about four years ago, I read a book and um, I think you might ask me about that book later. Absolutely. So I'll, save the, I'll save the name for later. But right. I read a book and I was like, this is it. I am niching down. I'm not doing the stuff I don't love anymore. I'm only focusing on what I love. And so I chose to narrow my scope to headshots and branding photography. And from there, as I started working with branding photography clients, I realized how little people know about building a brand, building a personal brand and having a strong foundation for their business. And they would get these photos, but they didn't know how to use them to drive traffic to their website. They didn't know how to come up with captions for them on social media. And they just didn't know just the basics, the fundamentals of creating a, ba a brand and building that solid foundation for their business. And I thought to myself, I know all this. Like, why am I not doing something more with this. So then I added um, services where, you know, my clients could meet with me and we would go over a strategy for using their images. And from there, 
I just kept those services going to the point where I have a boutique agency where we build we build brands from the ground up or we rebrand brand. I work, I have on my team, we have a, a website designer, graphic designer, copywriters, and a videographer, as well as a social media manager. And so collectively, we create these incredible brands for people and launch their businesses for them. And then I'm, and I'm coaching. And so I did pivot 10 years ago and I switched from one career, one field to a completely different environment, completely different, you know, side of my brain. Um, But what I can say is that over the years with all of my experiences, my brain works in such a way that I'm a very strategic thinker. And so I need that stimulation and I need to be strategic. So just doing say shot lists for a branding session wasn't quite enough for me. And that's where this coaching has come in to where I can really help people and save them, save the entrepreneurs from that overwhelm and the frustration of trying to figure out where to start to to start a business, to build a brand so that they have a strong foundation for long-term success. So that's in a nutshell, that's my journey. (laughs) A lot of zigging and zagging, but at the end, I'm in a place where I'm really, really happy. It's an amazing story. So how many years did this span from your leaving the corporate job to your... 10. 10 10 years. years. Okay. 10 years. Yeah. I I just literally had my 10-year anniversary in January of 2021. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So along the way, did you ever say to yourself... This isn't working. I I need to go back into corporate, or was it always a, a forward thinking experience? You know, I'm going to say, if I'm completely honest, there have been times I've thought to myself, "Why am I doing this? I could be working for working nine to five and making so much more money." But those thoughts were fleeting because I knew I was able to do something that I love. I mean, that's a blessing to be able to follow my passion and do something that I love. And because of the population that I'm focused on working with, I'm getting a lot of intellectual conversations. It's almost like I can take a step into the world, corporate world. I work with a lot of um, pharmaceutical executives for their headshots and stuff. And so I dive into that world periodically and can step right back out of it. So. There were times, yes, there have been times where I've thought, oh, I should just go get a job. But every time I've thought that, I've thought, no, I'm blessed to do what I'm doing. I'm really actually happy. And despite the the hardships with entrepreneurship, because it's it's hard, it's not easy. There's no sugarcoating it. It would be much easier a lot of days to go work nine to five, but I'm an intuitive and I'm a creative thinker, and it's it's not easy for me to be in that nine to five environment either. I really do like the freedom to set my own hours and to kind of dictate what I want to do and set my own goals and achieve them through my own skill sets and creativity and strategy. Right, right. Okay. And you mentioned that your um, husband had suggested that you follow your passion and recognize that you enjoyed photography. Uh, Does he remind you every day that he's the reason for your success? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, (laughs) he does not. He does not. Actually, he has, he's very, he's very proud of me. I will say that like he, he's, he definitely respects me, but he has seen how hard I've worked to do everything that I do and to make the connections. And 
I, I have transitioned so much as a person. I used to be terrified of public speaking. And so he has seen how being an entrepreneur has really transformed me into a much stronger, more, I don't know, just, I guess, stronger. Yeah, like assertive. I've overcome yeah. so much fear um, on this journey that he's, he reminds me of that, that he's very, he's very impressed with that, how far I've come as an individual and as a business person. We've spoken to other entrepreneurs and they mention how important it is to have a supportive partner. Mm -hmm. And you, you find that too as well. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because, you know, if you think about it for years, I was doing family portraiture. So that meant he had to take charge if I had a shoot in the evenings or if I had a shoot on the weekends, you know, ultimately when I transitioned to headshots and branding, very seldom do I ever do anything on the weekends, but every now and then something will come up where I have to be gone on a weekend, but, or maybe a conference, or if I'm like, I've recently been working on some certifications and, you know, that involves him having to step up to the plate a little bit more. So I mean, I, I don't have family here. I need him to be my support system. And, and he definitely steps up to the plate. And that's a huge blessing because I couldn't do it on my own. Right. You mentioned that you were intuitive. How important do you think it is to be a particular personality type in order to be a successful entrepreneur? Or do you think all personality types could be entrepreneurs just depending on where their skill sets lie? You know, I'm going to admit I'm not a personality expert at all, but I know that as an intuitive, we think outside the box a lot. We're kind of unorthodox and we like to do things our own way. So for me, I, and I always, I'd never liked having that over my head that I had to work certain hours, five days a week, and I only had so many days off. I like to be able to have that freedom to, travel and you know work from wherever I want to work. So for me that's been I think that's a huge part of my personality and who I am and what drives me to succeed. Um other I don't know. I'm also an introvert though. So for me like I don't have to be around big audiences and a lot of people that dream me. So this is the perfect world for me to be able to be in small groups or working one-on-one and I'm not probably not answering your question. No, you are. are. And I think, yeah, I think your personality will definitely drive the type of business that you do. And I think it will definitely drive success factors because, you know, some people are more driven. Um, you know, some people are perfectionist and just depending on the type of personality you are. And I think there's, you're born with that. So it, there's definitely an impact yes. on success, what type of personality you are and where you are either in corporate and working for someone else or being an entrepreneur. Gotcha. Got, and having that flexibility, when you mentioned having the opportunity to travel if you want, or maybe go in later if you want, and that and you're your own boss, it also means that maybe you're working till 2.30 in the morning on yeah. some projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's very seldom do I have a full day off. There's 
always, no matter what, there's something I need to do. Like Sunday evenings, I got to get the podcast uploaded for Monday. You know, it's like, there's always something. There's always an email that comes in that I think, oh, that really, I shouldn't put them off till Monday. I should answer that now. And I, I think from, you know, that perspective, being an entrepreneur is harder. You don't have any, um, you don't have anyone writing you a check, you know, you, you have to do the books you have, you, or have someone do it for you. Like it's, there's a lot to think about. It's not like you just wake up, you do a job, you go to bed, you come home, have dinner, go to bed. You are on 24 seven and you've got to always think of like the next thing, right? Not only the next right step, but you've got to think of the next revenue generator or, you know, how you can evaluate what you just launched and did that work or did it not work or where could you improve or should you have expanded it? Because based on the response, like there's just always something to think about. Another question that I like to ask entrepreneurs is how they are able to maintain balance, especially if they have children. You know, there's so much discrepancy. Is there balance or is there not balance? You know, is that such a thing? For me, I am typically just living in the moment. So I try to make the best of whatever it is I'm doing. And I try very, very hard to separate family and business. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes I'm stressed and that ends up coming out. You know, my family can sense that. Um, Sometimes there's something huge that happens in our family and I might be sad and not or something and not quite as able to focus, you know, in my business. So there's, there's always crossover. Um, But for me, I think it's about folk being able to be disciplined, number one, and then folk being able to focus so that wherever I am at that moment in time, that's where my attention is. So it's kind of like having, you know, being intentional with the attention that I'm giving and being intentional with where I am at the moment in time. That's really great advice. I like that a lot. I'm going to mention Robin Graham, we are speaking with right now. And you can also find her on Instagram with um, a lot of lovely pictures. Uh, The Robin Graham, R-O-B-Y-N. I had a question you had spoken earlier about deciding on niching your business. Can you define what that is for someone who's listening? Define what a niche is? Yeah. What is a niche? And why did you need to do it? (laughs) <laughs> so here's what I like to, here's how, here's kind of how I describe it in a nutshell. So in order for us to be successful, we have to have clarity. And if we don't have clarity with what we're doing and how we do it and who we serve and the problem we solve for them, then we're talking to everyone when we create our brand messaging. If we're talking to everyone, we're talking to no one. So when we talk about niching down, we're really really narrowing down that focus so that we can be 100% clear on what we do, how we do it, and who we serve. The more clear we are on who we serve, the more we can fine-tune our messaging so that it reaches the audience that we want to work with, to reaches the audience whom we can actually solve a problem for and solve it for effectively. So when I talk about niching down, it's really taking a look at your values, your visions, and your passions, and where do they align? Think of a Venn diagram. And with that Venn diagram, at some point in a Venn diagram, everything overlaps. 
So if you think of three circles where you have your values, your visions, and your passions, at some point, there's something on all three of those lists that's going to overlap. And where that overlaps is where you're You could say your purpose is, you could say that's where your niche is, that's where you should put your energy towards because that's what's going to ultimately fulfill you and where your gifts are to then serve other people. I love that. Okay. And this is, I imagine, something that you do for your clients to help them determine what's what's intersecting. Yes. We do an entire exercise with this. um, Yeah. And it really comes down to identifying, you know, not just what you want to do, what, what service you want to provide, what product you want to create or whatever. It's, it's actually looking at who you want to serve too, because they have to be aligned. Like you can't, you can't want to serve one population, but then that population doesn't need whatever it is that you think you can create or, you know, the service you can provide, you have to be able to marry that. So there's a lot, you have to be pretty realistic, but you also have to think outside the box too, in terms of, you know, creating that audience for yourself if, if need be. So that process of niching down, is that something that happens once in your business or is it something that you're, you're doing maybe a few times to get to where you need to be? So that is very independent on, or I guess, dependent on who the the person is. I like to think of it and um, I'm going to reference the book later that, you know, that I told you I would probably reference, but there, the author of this book called Badass Your Brand is Pia Silva. And when she was on my podcast, she, we were talking about niching down and she was a big influence for me in when I started niching down and realizing that I was doing everything for everyone and it really wasn't getting me anywhere. So if you think of your brand or your business or your ideas as an hourglass, at the top of that hourglass, you have... It's open space, right? So your brain has all these ideas. It's got all of these things floating around in it, especially if you're a multi-passionate person like I am. So if you bring that all in, and you figure out where you can really focus to make a bigger difference, you can bring that in, niche down. And then as you identify your ideal audience and you grow your business because you're really communicating directly to them and they understand that you are meant to solve a problem for them, that you're speaking directly to them and they come to you, your revenue is coming in, then you can expand back out and broaden that a little bit more. So you know, and then you could shift, you could pivot. Like, you know, if you think of my business where I started 10 years ago, it was all photography, but I saw a need and I knew I had the skill set and the expertise. And so I added on to my niche, um, you know, to not only provide the branding photography, but now to provide the coaching to help people identify their niche and to identify or build that solid foundation for their business and brand. Got it. Okay. So it is something that can be a two-step process or a three-step process. You, you maybe niche down to, to something and then you niche down further from that thing. Yeah. I'll give you a good example um, if that would help. So yes. I just worked with a client who she started her side gig as a virtual assistant. Then she dove into podcast management. And when we talk about podcast manage- management, that's you know the behind the scenes, the editing and things like that. Um, 
she has found that what she really wants to do is become a podcast PR agent where she actually pitches clients to be guests on podcast or pitches for the podcast host, you know, to someone that they want as a potential guest. So in talking with her, she's like, I, we talked about, you know, her values and her visions and what, what she really loves. She loves books, loves to read. Well, there and she wants to work with entrepreneurs. Well, what about authors who are entrepreneurs? So we narrowed down her ideal audience to working with I um, authors who are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs who are authors. And so now she knows that's who she wants to work with. If she wants to take that down to a deeper niche, it would be like working only with marketing experts who are entrepreneurs and authors. But we're not going to narrow it down that much yet. We'll take, we'll take it as let's get all of these entrepreneurs who are authors, see which ones you like to work with the best, and then narrow it down further from there if necessary. She could get totally booked, right? If she worked with so many authors and so many entrepreneurs. But here's the thing. With her niching down, there are other people out there, a lot of other people out there who do podcast pitching. So with her narrowing this down, she can differentiate herself as the podcast PR expert for entrepreneurs who are authors versus being a podcast pitch person who takes on clients from every every realm, someone who's in the fashion industry, someone who's in marketing. And you know, as a podcast host, I get pitched every single day. And I get pitches from so many different realms of you know, careers. I, it could be another coach. It could be another branding expert. It could be a photographer. It could be um, a marketing executive. It could be uh, an author. It could be a Facebook ad expert. You're listening to Stories and Strategies for Women podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. Visit me at my website, ClaudineWalk.com. Drop me a note on Instagram at ClaudineWalk. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time.